to I want to talk to you a little bit about the, the, this subject: signs of demonic possession. Now we're going to get into some of the some of the stuff that's a little bit more glamorous. Uh, glamorous. I don't think that's probably not the word, but some of the things that you would sort of expect. We'll get into some of the Hollywood things uh, eventually. At least some of the things that Hollywood knows about. There's a lot Hollywood don't know because they're not willing to get into the in, into the Bible. Um, but we're going to get into some of those things, but probably not so much tonight. I appreciate you being here and being faithful to the service, and nothing ever takes the place of the service. Uh, but I appreciate, and I feel like we're going to have a. I feel like we're going to have an increased audience tonight with the live stream as well. And so we welcome all those that are watching by by way of live stream tonight uh, as well. But we're going to talk about this a little bit tonight. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time, and and we're going to uh, and and and. and let me ask you to do this. While I'm praying, I want you to pray. Because if we think for a second that the devil wants these things to be taught on and exposed, we're wrong about that. He does not. He does not. I'm almost, I'm not fearful tonight because I know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so I don't have to worry. Listen, God's in control. But at the same time, I do want to say that I'm going to tread here very carefully and I'm going to tread here with fear and trembling and respect realizing that uh, that I serve a God that is all powerful and almighty but I am not and so we're going to tread into this territory very very respectfully tonight and realizing that we need his help this evening. And so let's go to the Lord and, and pray and ask God to help us tonight. Father, we love you. And uh, what a blessing to be in the service tonight. And uh, thank you for all these that have turned away from other cares and the easy chair and going to bed early. And, and uh, Lord, they've made it a purpose to be here tonight. And I pray that you'll bless them for their faithfulness. And God, give them an extra special blessing for being here bodily tonight. And then, Lord, I pray that you'll work in the hearts of those that may be uh, viewing by way of live stream and uh, Lord work in their hearts and lives tonight maybe folks watching from different states and different places and maybe even some that will be watching tonight that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and I pray that tonight would be the night that they would make that decision that choice to give their heart and life to Jesus Christ realizing that it is the most important decision that they'll ever make and Lord I pray this is my prayer that nobody will leave this service lost and that nobody that's watching by way of live stream or that may be listening by way of the radio here in just a few weeks, I pray that, Lord, that none of those folk will view or watch this service and, and, and go away lost, but I pray that they'll come to Christ and be saved. And so we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit now, God acknowledging that we need Him. We need, we need your touch tonight, Lord. And Father, the best we know how, we plead the blood, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ over this service. And God, I pray that you'll accomplish your will tonight. Keep the, the powers of darkness out, please, and keep distractions away. And God, I pray that you'd keep your blessings within. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and if all agree, say amen. 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 Well, we notice here in Mark chapter 5 that Jesus has entered into a ship. I preached along this line Sunday night and we notice that Jesus is traveling to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and, uh, and, and, and if you've read this 
passage, to me at least, it seems like that Jesus has done so just to help one man. Because after he helps this one man, the Bible tells us he gets back in that ship and he goes right back where he just came from. And aren't you glad tonight that Jesus Christ will go out of his way to try to offer help to one struggling person? <laughs> now, uh, we said last week that the, that the Sea of Galilee was about 13 miles long, about uh, eight miles wide, and so uh, Jesus starts way up on the northern end of the Sea of Galilee and goes all the way to the southern end, which is where Gadara was, and, and so he's went at least 13 miles out of his way, which was no small thing back in that day and time, and he's done this just to help one man that's struggling. And I want to say tonight, if you're here tonight and you're struggling and maybe nobody knows, maybe only, maybe only Jesus knows tonight, I'm glad that I can come to you tonight and tell you that Jesus Christ is willing to come where you are and he's willing to pull you out of the mire. He's willing to pull you out of wherever you are. He's willing to help you with that stronghold. He's willing to help you with that problem that you're having. Boy, what a Savior we serve tonight. Amen. And I'm so glad that the Lord Jesus Christ is willing. By the way, not only that, but, but we notice that three of the Gospels, three of the Gospels record this story that we're reading in Mark chapter 5 tonight. And we won't go there tonight, but if you went to, Mark, if you went to Matthew chapter 8, we find there the Bible says about this story in verse 28. And when he was come to the other side into the country of the, uh, the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, listen to this part, so that no man might pass by that way. In other words, these men were so demon-possessed. They were so full of the devil. The Bible says that, that men made it a point not to travel that way. They, they were scared. They were frightened of these men, frightened of what they might do. And so no man passed that way. But I'm glad that where man would not go, I'm glad that Jesus went. And uh, amen. There's nobody that's too lost to be saved. Amen. I'm trying not to preach, but I'm having a hard time tonight. I'm, I'm just glad, brother. I'm glad that Jesus Christ will save you and he'll come to where you are. But we notice here that as Jesus comes out of the ship, that it, the Bible says immediately a man possessed with demons comes to meet him. Now, let's pick up the story in Mark chapter 5 and look, if you will, at verse number 9 tonight. Mark chapter 5 and verse number 9. The Bible says, and he asked him, here Jesus is speaking, and he says, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion. Now notice that. My name is Legion for we are many. Now again, some of these things are just, just good information for you to know. But you understand that a legion or legion was a title or a name given to a body of soldiers back in that day. And so if you were to say, here comes a legion, well, most people associated that with a, a group of soldiers. And, and around that time, a legion consisted of 6,826 men. Now, Jesus comes to this demon-possessed man, and he says, what's your name? Of course, Jesus knew. 
And the demon speaks out and says, our name or my name is Legion. And the reason that my name is Legion is because we're many. Now, Legion was 6,826 men. I don't know how many demons are in this man, but I'm just guessing that there were upwards of 6,000 demons that were, that were possessing this man, and no wonder he was literally out of control. And so that tells us something here, church. It tells us that this man is literally filled with darkness. I mean, he is filled with the power of Satan. He is uh, uh, literally overcome, if you will, overcome with evil. And we notice here also that the world's answer for this man's problem was more chains. Now, I think that's interesting, and I think that's important to point that out. You'll notice in Mark chapter 5, verse number 3, the Bible says, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Look at verse 4. Because that he had been often bound, often. In other words, that's more than once. In fact, that's quite a bit. He had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And so it's interesting here that, that, that the world sees this man that's got major issues. He's filled with, with a legion of demons. And the Bible says that their answer for his problem is, is to put chains on him. And when those chains don't work, they put more chains on him. And when those chains don't work, well, what can we do? I know what let's do. Let's put more chains on him. And uh, it's also, also interesting that, you know what, the world has the same answer today. And when that they see people struggling, their answer, their solution is to bind them with more chains. And so uh, I'm not a doctor tonight, and I'm not preaching against medication, not at all. And some of you here tonight take medication, and you need to keep taking your medication. And I'm not telling you not to take your medication, but I would say this, that it seems like in the day that we're living, that the, the, the answer now, more than any other answer is, let's medicate it. I mean, let's medicate it. If we can't control our kids, let's medicate them. If we can't control our older folks, let's medicate them. I mean, let's just, man, let's just uh, put so much medication in them that uh, it either calms them down or just takes them completely out of their minds. And, and, and it seems like uh, so many of the doctors nowadays, uh, rather than want to help, they want to put the chain of increased medication. Or how about this? The chain of encouraging an abortion. Uh, now, wait a minute now. I, 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 can, can a lady that's had an abortion be forgiven? Of course they can. Surely they can. Uh, can they be saved? Of course they can. But I'm just saying this. You know what? Here we have a little lady that is going through a terrible, terrible time in her life. And so the world's answer is, let's put another chain on you. And so not only do you have these chains, we're going to put some more chains on you and, and we're going to encourage you to kill your, uh, to kill your baby and, and that way later on in life there'll be more guilt that you'll have to share. And so you see where I'm going with this. The chain of encouraging immorality, the chain of less discipline in the home. Now, we noticed this, Calvary, that the chains, the chains did not work. They didn't work. Now, let me tell you why. The reason the chains did not work is because these people were trying to use a physical solution for a spiritual issue. And, it, and, and by the way, it's not going to work in this day and time either. 
but yet that's the society we live in. You know what? The names change and the faces change and the calendar changes, but it's interesting how the story stays the same and how, how Mark chapter 5 can still be as relevant today as it was back in that day and time. And uh, I mean, brother, we have people that are going through problems and having uh, issues. They've got spiritual problems, not physical problems, but spiritual problems. And so our our government kicks in and our government says, we're going to have to fix this. And so uh, the way for us to keep to uh, keep from having school shootings is uh, I know what we need to do. We need to have more education. That's what we need to do. Uh, we need to have more education. Or somebody else says, well, I know what we need to do. We need to have more programs. Or another says, I know what we need to do uh, to make sure we don't have these problems. Let's just pass out free contraceptives to all the kids. And I know they don't have a clue. And we're not teaching them any morals at all. And so I'll tell you what, to make things better, let's just pass out contraceptives to all of the kids. And I'm sure that's going to make things better. You see where I'm going with that? You see how lame that is? How how twisted, how twisted that is? And so now, you know what? We've got politicians that are saying, well, I know what let's do. Let's do government-funded abortions. Let's not only have abortion, but let's have government-funded abortion. And then, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's go a step further than that. Let's make Christians' organization help pay for those government-funded abortions. And, uh, and if they don't, well, we're going to put them in jail. And I'll tell you what let's do. Why don't we go a little bit further? And I got an idea. Let's legalize marijuana. That'll make things better. Oh, yeah. They're already completely out of their gourd. I mean, they're so high. They don't know where they're going, what they're doing. I mean, they're running into people on the interstate. They're driving up the wrong way on the interstate. But I know what let's do. I wonder who, what genius came up with that. I know what let's do. Let's, let's, let's legalize marijuana or let's legalize same-sex marriage. Now, this is all I'm saying tonight, church. The, the, what they're trying to do is they're trying to treat a spiritual issue with a physical solution. And what they don't want to realize and what they don't want to admit is this, that Jesus Christ is the answer. He is the answer. You say, that's for what? He's the answer for whatever's wrong in your life. Brother, I'm not, listen, I'm not against programs. Don't get me wrong. If, 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 if Alcoholics Anonymous will help a guy, I'm for it. If Narcotics Anonymous will help somebody, I'm for it. I'm not against, I'm not preaching against that. But I am saying this, that brother, we've got to get back to the point and to the place where we say, you know what? You know what the answer to our problems? The answer to our problems is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, what's going to stop the school shootings? Jesus is going to stop the school shootings. Somebody says, preacher, what's going to stop the, the epidemic of drugs that is going through our nation like a river? I'll tell you what's going to stop it. Jesus Christ is going to stop it. He is the answer tonight for every problem that we may have. What chains failed to do and what fetters could not do, Jesus did. Boy, isn't that a blessing? Now I want to take a moment tonight. I don't think we're gonna, I don't think we're gonna get super far tonight, but I want to mention, I want to start our series tonight by answering some basic questions about what we're talking about here. Signs of demonic possession. Now, the first question that I want to answer is why? Why? Uh, why even take the time to teach on a subject like this? I know this is not something that you might hear in, in a lot of churches or a lot of pulpits tonight. Uh, and we're real big on self-help and motivation and, and positive preaching and all those kind of things. And, 
And I understand that there's a certain dark element to this and, uh, and, and that kind of thing. And so somebody says, Preacher, why in the world would you take a Wednesday night or two or three or whatever the case might be to teach on a subject like this? Well, may I say, first of all, for the purpose of realization. For the purpose of realization. And by that I mean this. Did you know tonight, church, it's good for you and I to be reminded that the spiritual realm is reality. It's reality. Now, you know what? We, Hollywood has got into this thing so much and, and uh, every other movie is a demon movie now and every other movie is a possession movie now. And I'm going to be honest with you, brother. I don't watch that. I'm not watching that. I wouldn't watch that stuff. You couldn't pay me enough money to watch that stuff. And uh, now I'll tell you one of the reasons I don't watch it because it's real. Now, I, now, some of the stuff they put on there, some of the special effects, I understand that some of that's Hollywood made up in a studio, but I'm just telling you, brother, uh, you know what? Demonism is real, and, uh, and it's good for us to realize that, you know what, what we teach you on a regular basis, I'm talking about Christianity, I'm talking about the power of God, I'm talking about doctrines of angels, I'm talking about salvation, I'm talking about redemption. Did you know that's not just a fairy tale? Did you know that's not, uh, that's not just a, uh, somebody says, well, it's like, a, it's like a Marvel comics. It's like the Incredible Hulk and Iron Man. No, it's not, brother. I want to tell you what, brother. These things that we teach from this pulpit are real, brother. They are real. But may I say tonight in the same way, Satan is real tonight. He is not a figment of someone's imagination. He is not something that was derived in a studio in Hollywood. Uh, by the way, he is not some little short man that's got a red suit and a, and a, fork, a, 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 a pointed tail and a pitchfork. That's not Satan. In fact, if you were to see Satan tonight, he is beautiful. He is beautiful and he's real good at making ugly things look beautiful as well. And uh, brother, listen to me. Satan is real. Fallen angels are real. Demons are real. Are, I'm just telling you, brother, it's good for us to be reminded of these things because sometimes we live so much in that, that physical realm that a lot of times we don't, we, we don't look at the spiritual realm. But I'm telling you, brother, they are real tonight. In fact, so much so. I want you to notice the challenge that the word of God gives us. Now I want you to mark your place there at Mark chapter 5. We're going to go back there later. But I want you to thumb over with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 6 in your Bibles tonight. Ephesians chapter 6, and I want you to look, if you will, please, at verse number 10. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10. Now, listen, brother, what we're talking about tonight is reality. And so much so that the Bible gives us, man, it gives us a very sober challenge. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now look at verse 11. The, the, the Holy Spirit says, Put on the whole armor of God. In other words, you can't afford not to put it all on. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now look at verse 12, Calvary. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Then in verse 13, he says again, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God 
that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. In other words, listen. He said, Christian, listen to me. He said, this is real. This is no joke. This is no fairy tale. This is no make-believe. What's Paul saying to the church here in Ephesus? He's saying, brother, these spirits and demons and Satan and false angels, they are very, very real. It is a threat that we better take seriously. Listen to me now, church. There's something that every one of us better understand tonight, that these forces exist now. Now, and always been that way. But they exist now to take you out. Now, it hasn't always been that way. God did not create them for that purpose. But now, now, they exist for one purpose, to take you out. They exist for one purpose, and that's this. This is the ultimate goal of Satan and the powers of darkness. The ultimate goal is this. They do not want God to be glorified in any way. And so that, that's the ultimate goal. So you know what they're going to do? They want to take you out so you can't glorify God. They want to ruin Brother David so he can't glorify God. They want, to, they, want to, they want to destroy your testimony and destroy your marriage and destroy your home and, and destroy your children. Why? Because their ultimate goal is this, that God will not receive glory. Now, just in case you think, well, preacher, this subject doesn't really concern me. I want you to understand tonight, Calvary, that these spiritual forces that we're talking about tonight are very organized and very strategized. They're not, you know, Hollywood, man, Hollywood. Pray for them. Hollywood makes the devil and demons out to be like they're a bunch of bumbling idiots. Don't know which way is up. But I'm I'm here to tell you tonight, that's not Satan. And that's not the demons either, brother. They are very, very organized. In fact, can can I show you how organized they are tonight? I put several things up on the screen. Number one, we notice that they're organized in different groups. First of all, we notice in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but, but against, what's that word? Principalities. Against principalities. The word principality there means beginning. It means origin. It means the person or thing that commences. It means this. Listen now. It means magistrate, leader. These are probably the angels that were created first. Now, we know some of them. The Bible mentions some of them. We don't know all of them. But these are probably the angels that would uh, that, uh, that we would call an archangel. Jude chapter 1 and verse number 9 talks about Michael being an archangel. The Bible says about Jesus, when Jesus comes back in the rapture, he'll come back with a shout of the archangel. And so probably these are the most powerful of the angels the implication is is this it implies highest rank and so principalities are the angels that are at the top I mean these are the ones that are just right under Satan and uh, these are the the, the top angels the top destroyers and it it at least appears that Satan was created as an archangel now Take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and turn to Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. And look at verse number 13. Now, I'm going to have you go right back to to Ephesians here in just a minute, Ephesians chapter 6. But look at Ezekiel 28. 
And look, if you will, at verse number 13 tonight. Now, I want you to notice what the Bible tells us about, about Satan. Ezekiel 28, verse 13. Find your place, say amen. All right? The Bible says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Well, we know that's true, don't we? Every, now look, 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 look at Satan. Look what Satan looks like. What, what, you're going to notice there's no mention of a red suit and a pointed tail and a, fork, a, a pitchfork. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrais and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Most people believe that most scholars believe that Satan was some, kind, some, some type of a musical creature, that God created him with, with, uh, with instruments here. Uh, thou art the, look what it says, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And God said, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. And how many know that Satan was cast out? And I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up. Isaiah talks about that. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy, because of thy, You mean to tell me that Satan is beautiful? Yeah, if you were to see Satan uh, tonight, according to the word of God, Satan is, is beautiful. He said, thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. And so we notice, first of all, there's principalities or what we would call archangels. These are powerful. By the way, we're no match for them. No match for them. But then we notice, number two, we notice powers. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 12, the Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Powers. These are all different words here, different meanings. The word powers means, and this is really interesting, it means delegated influence. In other words, Satan in his group has archangels, the, the highest of the high, and then he has powers. It means this. It means jurisdiction. Jurisdiction. Why would the Bible label these angels with such a word? Jurisdiction. And here's the reason. No doubt there are some fallen angels, there are some demons that have jurisdiction over certain things. For instance, they have jurisdiction over certain countries. I believe there are some demons tonight and their jurisdiction's America. Their, their main goal is not Iraq. Their main goal is not uh, Afghanistan. We have, uh, we have uh, fallen angels that have uh, been put over America and they're here to try to ruin America and damn America. And so uh, some have jurisdiction over certain countries. Others have jurisdiction over certain counties. I believe there are fallen angels that have jurisdiction over, uh, over Iredell County. Amen, brother. That's right. I don't believe that for a second. We'll study that for yourself, then come up with a better answer. Amen. 
uh, I believe this. I believe there are fallen angels that have jurisdiction over cities. But can I go a little step further? I believe tonight, I believe, and by the way, there are many fallen angels, many demons. I believe there are some demons that have jurisdiction over certain churches. Did you know it's more than likely tonight that we have been assigned fallen angels at Calvary Baptist Church and their whole goal is to ruin this church and to stop this church and to close the door of this church. And by the way, how many would say by the grace of God we're not going to let them do that? But can I go one step further? I believe there are some demons that have jurisdiction over families. Did you know it is more than likely tonight that you have demons that concentrate on your family? Someone says, Preacher, I had a rough week. The devil was camping out at our house. I doubt it. I doubt it. But I will tell you this, you probably did have some, you probably did have some forces that were camping out there. Some powers that had uh, jurisdiction. I'll say, preacher, I don't believe that for a second. Well, it's interesting then that in Daniel chapter 10, when Daniel mentioned a demon, he mentioned this demon as the prince of Persia. The prince of the kingdom of Persia. And it's also interesting, if you go back to Mark chapter 5, that where we started tonight, this demon-possessed man, when Jesus gets ready to cast the demons out, what did they say to Jesus? Now, Jesus, there's some swine over here. Would you let us go into the swine? Don't send us out of the country. Is that what they said? Don't send us out of the country. Why I believe Gadara was a stronghold for Satan. Man, they it's evident. It's evident it was. And man, they they were just having their way with the people there and keeping them lost and bound. And and uh, and 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 so we notice here that there are powers. But then the Bible says this: we notice that there are rulers of darkness. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. The word darkness there, it means darkened eyesight. Or maybe this will help you. It means blindness. Blindness. In other words, there are some angels that are the generals, if you will, the the generals and the colonels, and then there are some that have jurisdiction over certain areas and certain homes and certain counties. And then the Bible says there are those that are rulers of darkness, and these are demons in charge of keeping people in spiritual darkness. These are the ones that are helping to to create the false churches and the false religions. These are the demons that empower the cult. Somebody says, Preacher, how in the world can some of the cults be so powerful? I'll tell you how. Because, brother, there are spiritual forces behind them that are pushing them and helping them and strengthening them. That doesn't happen by accident. I mean, it happens on purpose. Why? Because there, there are demon forces that are working to promote these, these cults. Why? To keep people blind. To keep people in darkness. Uh, these demons are in charge of keeping people uh, away from the gospel. Uh, and, and by the way, and, and their attitude is this. It doesn't matter what you believe. As long as you believe in something other than Jesus Christ. You've heard me tell the story. It's just a little fictional story, but you've heard me tell the story. About how one day when Satan and his demons got together and they had a board meeting, Satan called them all together and he said, fellas, we're going to meet today and 
He said, we're going to try to figure out a way to damn more people to hell than ever before. He said, I want to hear ideas. One of the demons spoke up and he said, I, I've got an idea, Satan. He said, I'll go down there to the earth. And he said, I'll tell them that it's all, it's all a lie. The gospel's a lie. The Bible is a lie. Heaven is not really real. Hell is not really real. Uh, uh, Jesus was just a man. The Holy Spirit doesn't exist. And I'll just tell them that it's all a lie. And Satan thought about that a little bit. And he thought, well, you know, that might work. He said, uh, does anybody else have an idea? Well, another demon stepped up and he said, Satan, he said, I've got an idea. He said, I'll go down there and I'll cast out on the preacher, the one that's preaching it. And he said, I'll tell all the people there in America that, you know what, the preacher's just money hungry. That's all he wants is some money. And, and that's all he's concerned about. And, and I'll tell him that the preacher is a cheat and a, and a, and a, and a lie and a carpetbagger. And I'll, I'll tell him that the Bible he preaches is not really true and, and, uh, and that you really can't depend on it. And Satan thought about that a little bit. And he thought, well, that, that, that might do it. He said, is there anybody else? And another demon stepped up sort of arrogantly and he said, Satan, I think I've got it. He said, I'm going to go down there. And he said, I'm going to tell them it's all true. It's all true. Boy, Satan started getting, he said, wait a minute. He said, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to tell them that the Bible is really the word of God. I'm going to tell them that the gospel is true. I'm going to tell them that what that preacher is preaching is right. I'm going to tell them that, that Jesus really is the Son of God. There really is a heaven. There really is a hell. And boy, by this time, Satan is about to come unglued. He said, I'm going to tell them it's all true and that they need to be saved. Just not today. You need to be saved. You want to go to heaven, but don't do it today. You can do it next Sunday. You can do it tomorrow. You can do it a few weeks from now. One of these days when you really straighten your life out and you turn your leaf over and, and all these things, you can do it. And Satan said, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. He said, we'll damn more people to hell with that right there than anything else. And I'm just telling you, well, there are demon powers that are in this world and their job is to keep people in blindness. Blindness. But then we notice this. We notice spiritual wickedness in high places. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The word wickedness there means depravity, iniquity. It means wickedness. It, it's the idea of malice, evil purposes, and desires. These are the angels that are, that their job is to get us involved in evil desires. It, they want us involved in depraved things, filthy things. That's what they concentrate on. I, I'm talking about, hey, 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 young men, young men, these are the demons that are in charge of trying to get you hooked on pornography. That's it, brother. That's what they do. That's their job. It's their job title to try to make it look alluring and tempting and get you to 
get you involved and get you hooked into the stronghold. And that, that's their job. Their job is to get you involved in homosexuality or adultery. Or their job is to get you involved in hatred or unforgiveness or, or bitterness. I'm just saying that there are forces in this world. And their job is to do their best to get you involved in sinful, depraved things. And so why, why are we taking some time to teach on this tonight? Number one, for the purpose of realization. But number two, for the purpose of, of education. Because I believe tonight, according to the Word of God, God's children are to be knowledgeable concerning the devices that are working against them. Would you take your Bibles tonight, and, and this may be the last place, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9. And while you're turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, let me read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 5. The Bible says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. The Bible says about us, but let us watch and be sober. In other words, you know what? We're not supposed to be. <laughs> We're not supposed to be dumb about these things. We're supposed to know about these things. These things shouldn't take us by surprise. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9. The Bible says, For to this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Look at verse 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. Look what the Bible says, church. For we are not ignorant of his devices. The world looks and they watch what happened in Parkland, Florida. And they said, how can a, how can a young man walk into a school and take 17 innocent lives? How could that happen? We need more gun control. And I'm not against it doing some doing some legitimate things as far as guns, but I'm just, but I am saying this, guns are not the problem. And someone says, well, we need to start, you know, more education. And, 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 I, and I'm all for that. But I'm just saying education is not the problem. The problem, brother, is that there are spiritual forces in the background that are hard at work. And, uh, and so when we see these things happening, when we, when we see parents that are abusing their children beyond unbelief, I mean, we're beginning to see it on a regular basis. I'm talking about chaining chaining their children in the house for one and two years? How can a, how, how can a daddy, it hasn't been that long ago, how can a daddy get so, so screaming high on, on a drug that he walks in and takes a razor blade and cuts both of his little girl's eyes out with a razor blade? There is nothing natural about that. I'll be, be bringing the message in Yadkinville. You start praying about it. I'll be bringing the message, the disaster of drug addiction soon at a church and, and uh, ask a question. How can a man down in Florida, uh, how, can he, how, how can he go and eat the face off of another man? Eating the face. By the way, check it out. Check it out. Did you know that's becoming more and more prevalent? When people are getting just so high on these drugs, you know what? They're beginning to bite, beginning to eat, and they want to eat the face. They're eating people's face off. Somebody says, preacher, natural? Oh, no. It's not natural. 
But at the same time, we know what's going on. It's not a deficiency in vitamins, folks. No, sir. Well, my daddy, when I was little, my daddy didn't take me to a ball game. No. It goes much further and much deeper than that. It's called demonic possession. Now, it's just good. I'm done tonight. I'm, I'm going to stop. We, we only got through one point of the introduction tonight. But it's just good for us to understand something. This is real. Hey, teenager, I love you tonight, but can I encourage you? You better stay close to God. Man, you better get as close to Jesus Christ as you can. It's not because your parents tell you to. You better do it because you've got some sense. Satan's after you. He's after your marriage. He's after your mom and dad. He's after, he's after your brothers and sisters. He's after your kids' parents. I mean, he's, he is, brother, he is after you now. And I know the world says, oh, y'all, y'all make way too much of this. I remember years ago, we had a, some of you may remember this, we had a citywide crusade. I think it's one of the best things ever happened to Statesville. We had a citywide crusade. It took place at Temple Baptist Church in Statesville. This has been buku's years ago. And a bunch of churches got together in this area and they, they called Dr. Bill Pennell. Dr. Bill Pennell came and preached that, that uh, crusade. And I remember as a young man, I was just a teenager, and I remember going and I remember Bill Pennell preaching. Oh, my word, he preached with so much power. Packed house. At the time, Temple Baptist Church would hold over 700 people and it was packed. There were no seats available. And I remember Dr. Pennell preaching and I remember him telling the story about a farmer. In fact, for some reason that night it seemed like I was seated up close to the front and and I was watching Dr. Pennell as he was so passionate about this and he was talking about a farmer that that he had tried numerous times to reach and uh, and, uh, this farmer's wife was saved and family was saved, but this farmer was a scoffer. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 14 verse 9, fools make a mock at sin. And every time the preacher would go out and try to talk to this man about Jesus, he'd say, oh, preacher, don't worry, don't waste your time. He said, that's for women and little children. Don't waste your time, preacher. His wife was saved, just saved lady. And the preacher didn't try to force it, but he'd just try to, out of love, and he'd try to win the man to Christ, and every time just scoffed and made jokes and made light and made fun. Well, this farmer got sick. In fact, he got deathly sick. And I remember, I remember vividly, I remember Dr. Bill, Bill Pennell telling the story about how they had called the family and his wife was there and the preacher had been called and, uh, and, uh, and this man, as he got real close to dying, never would get saved, got real close to dying. He began to scream out and begin to, begin to tell his family. He'd say, what's that? What's that? doing out there outside the window out there and his wife would say honey there, there's nothing there's nothing out he said you see him he's walking up the sidewalk right now he's got that cha- what, what's he got that chain what's he got that chain in his hand she said sweet I'm telling you there, there is nothing and he said can you not see him look he's walking up to the front door what, what, what's he got the chain for don't let him don't let don't let him don't let him don't let him in the house 
Why did you? Why did you let him? Why did you let him in the house? And and uh, Doctor Bill Pennell told that story as that man began to slide up in that bed as far as he could slide up, and and he said, "Don't let him put that chain on me. Don't let him. Don't let him. Don't let him. If you love me, don't let him put that chain. Don't let him. Why are you letting him put that chain on? Me? Don't let him take me away. Don't let him take me away." And and he said that man died screaming out in agony. I believe his brother. He was being dragged literally to hell. I, and, and in fact, Dr. Pennell said that he had drove his head up into, the, up into the headboard so much so that the hairs of his head had embedded into the wood uh, uh, headboard there of uh, the bed. What's your point? My point is, it's real. Right. And you go ahead and scoff at it. You go ahead and scoff at it and make jokes about it. But I'm telling you, brother, there is coming a reckoning day when we will stand before God and people will answer and those that are lost without Jesus Christ will go to a Christless hell and they'll realize what I'm preaching tonight is real. It is real. Man, I don't know about y'all. I want to stay as close to this book as I can. Man, by the grace of God, I'm going to be in church every time the doors are open. I'm going to try to spend time in prayer every time I can and walk with the Lord. And, and I realize tonight, man, I, I cannot afford, I cannot afford to get away from Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me all over the house tonight? Real quickly before we go, I want to ask a couple questions and I want you to do your best to answer honestly tonight. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to come back and try to, you know, drag somebody down an aisle. I've never, ever done that, and I'm not going to do it tonight. But I tell you what I would like to do. I'd like to pray for you. I'll not pray for you by name or anything like that. But I'd like to pray for you. I wonder how many are here tonight, and you'd say, Preacher, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know there's not an ounce of doubt. I know that Jesus Christ is my personal Savior and I know I'm on my way to heaven. If you can honestly say that with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, I wonder if you could say that, preacher, I know that I'm on my way to heaven. If you can say that, would you just slip your hand up and you can take it right back down. All right. Can I ask this second question? I wonder if there might be one here tonight would say, Preacher, I want to raise my hand, but I'm just not sure. Pastor, I want you to understand something. I want to go to heaven. I do. I don't want to go to hell. I don't have any desire to go to hell. I want to be in heaven, but Preacher, I'm just not sure about it, though. I'm just not sure. And I care enough to slip up my hand and, and let you pray for me. Just pray for me, preacher. Pray for me. God will know. You pray for me. And right now, you'd slip your hand up. You'd say, Pastor, would you remember me? You'd slip your hand up right now. Would you Would you let me pray for you? Would you let me pray for you? I see that, I see that, that hand. I see that hand. Okay, Albert, it's time to pray. I wonder how many... How many others are here tonight and say, Preacher, if I died, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. Pastor, don't get me wrong. I want to go to heaven. And I'm just not sure. I want you to pray for me. 
You'd slip your hand up right now. Is there another like that anywhere? You'd raise it real fast for me so I can pray for you. All right? I see that hand. I'm going to pray for you. Is there one more here tonight? Preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there one more like that here tonight? Hey, church, you know, it don't have to be a Sunday for God to do something great. God can do something great any night of the week, can't he? I believe God's doing something tonight. I believe God's working right now. Is there anybody else I can pray for you? Preacher, pray for me. If I died, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. All right. Would you do me a favor tonight? Would you stand with us real quietly all over the house? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Folks are in the altar. The pianist is playing. And pastor's going to make his way to the, the main floor. And if you're here tonight and you raise your hand or didn't raise your hand, but you don't know that you know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved, all right? I want to invite you to come and we'd like to take the Bible and just show you how you can know Christ as your personal Savior. I'm not going to make you give a speech, nothing, nothing like that. I just, we want to just take the Bible and show you how you can be saved. Will you do that? You know what? It's pretty apparent, church. Right now, God's dealing with some hearts. It's pretty apparent. Oh, my, Calvary. Good night. We need to really do some serious praying right now. So, Father, I believe you're moving right now. Would you work in hearts? God, in just a moment, I'm going to make my way to this, this main floor down here. I pray folks will come. I pray they'll let us take the Bible and show them how they can know. Would you help them to come? Would you help them to come? Would you help them not let anything hold them back tonight? Father, please have thy way, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name.